welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. With me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. Um, magic editor. Ah, no, I'm not. I'm no longer the magic editor. Really? I am the senior editor now? Isn't that a step down? No, it's the same. It's pretty much the same thing, just different title. Why? Frank just wanted to change it. Okay. Anyway, senior, senior editor. I think I'm senior editor or maybe senior writer at Screen Geek. <laughs> I know. I've been with this organization for a while. Let me find out what the fuck am I. <laughs> what are you? No one knows. No one knows. Whatever knows. All right, let me see. You know, let me see if he changed it. Yeah, I'm the senior editor. Oh, okay. But he didn't change. He still has his writer. But on my on my Twitter page, it's senior writer. Uh. You know. Nice. I know, right? Dope. Dope. Bigger pay? Nah. <laughs> Any pay at all? Not really. <laughs> change, but it, you know, a little bit of my pocket. Hey. Hmm. The changes for chumps. Okay, but I'm a. So you say I'm a chump? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't have to say hmm. about your shit right now. What? Like if I had a friend who was by me, and you were here being annoying or stupid or whatever, mm-hmm. I would say, "Don't disturb my friend. He's tired. He's dead tired." I I knew you fucked that up. I did. When you said tired, I was like, "It's dead tired." And you had to say like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, you have to say. I can't. No, no, just just like that's how you do. You have a manly voice. When I do it, it'll sound like. We'll just put some more baritone. Expand your diaphragm. (laughs) Here, watch. I'm gonna. Do you want me to try? Let me let me let me say. (laughs) Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. (laughs) <laughs> oh man Fuck Comedic genius over here Yeah hmm. Slapstick comedy <laughs> Comedy gold Okay you're bothering me And I'm dead tired <laughs> uh, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram At The Real Appeal Two E's in real You can email us at TheRealAppeal at gmail.com and if you could please review us on any podcast catcher that you listen to us on, uh, we would love you forever. Our segments for this week's show are our recent review of The Whale. Our variety time is The Whale's Controversy. Uh, you know, hmm. I think you should have named that one Moby's Dick. The controversy on Moby's dick? Of. Of Moby's dick? All right. Mm-hmm. Change that right there. <laughs> All right. Let's say it again. Take two. Go. The controversy of Moby's dick. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Our geriatrics. <laughs> I always think it's funny when you're like, yeah. <laughs> Our geriatric cinematic is Commando. Came out in 1985. 
And what's the Terpic? A dad, his little gun, and a couple of bazookas. His little gun? A dad, his little girl, and a couple of bazookas. That sounds so wrong with his little gun. <laughs> you said bazookas. <laughs> so back to the... Uh, So back to your yeah, um, <laughs> you sound like uh, you sound like those like new metal rock bands like Godsmack uh-huh. or or Disturb. Mm-hmm. They would be like yeah, but like they're whispering like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they use the indoor voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Oh, you know what? Let's let's. Uh, normally, I do like these uh, show announcements, like certain show announcements, like oh, we're gonna be back next week or something like that, or we'll we'll take like a couple weeks off or we something. We usually like that. do that at the end of the show. Yeah, but I I figure I I figure I do it at the beginning. Okay, I'm just changing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, we're just kind of give you guys a heads up. We are going to be off next week. Uh, nothing really worth talking about, I think, and. I don't know. We just kind of want a break. Uh, actually, we're going to need a break because we're going to be back like the week after. And the week after. And the, and week, the week after. after. <laughs> and the week after for like. Three months. Yeah. From like February to like the end of April. We're going to be like doing an episode a week. So we're like, oh, fuck. Let's like take a little break mm. beforehand. Um, but we'll let you know, We'll let you guys know. Um, if you haven't seen in the show notes uh, what movie we'll be reviewing when we come back. Provided nothing happens. Oh God! Because half the time some shit happens, yeah. and we're like, we can't record it. Yeah, provided like none of us gets COVID, or my back doesn't go out, or we're just like in a downward spiral, or anything like that, <laughs> or one of us dies unexpectedly. Let me talk. I'm gonna live forever. Well, if you live forever, Pocket can come on the podcast. <laughs> she can cry into the mic. I think by that time, Pocket will have evolved. If like she lives forever as well, <laughs> to the point where she's like. This is I don't know why Pocket's talking like that. This is what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm the writer for a cat monthly magazine. <laughs> no, she'll probably stop. Like, she's peeked at meowing like Luigi. I know. She's like, yeah, and that's that's because the she's addicted to uh, <laughs> cat trees. Cat trees, but it's the one with the what's that stuff that gets them high? Catnip. Yeah, it's like the treats with like catnip in no, it. No, but she was getting um, she was like that with the wet treats I was giving her too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So she's addicted to cat treats. Just cat treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, she'll like I'll walk into the apartment <laughs> or something like that, and she's like treats, give me treats. I'll sit down. She'll be like pet me. All right, now give me treats. <laughs> I tested you earlier. Yeah, I was sitting down and like Pocket like jumped on my lap and she was like, Meow, like pet me. And I was like, Oh, no, no, not right now, girl. I'm, I'm busy right now. And then he said, like, <laughs> and I, I was like, Look, you said she didn't want to give you attention. Now she's giving you attention like you wanted mm. and you're shooing but, her away. Yeah, because she was like, expecting something out exactly. of it exactly that's yeah. what you said before no, no. yeah I so said, that's, that's before. what you said no that's what you said in that moment yeah and then i was like come on just stand up <laughs> and stand up she bolts for the trees like, <laughs> see the the uh, see the point 
of this is to be smarter than the cat. Don't don't fall into their tricks. Mm. The point is <laughs> the point. That's the point? Yeah, it's the point. Like the point of the pencil is the point. Oh my god. I know I have I know I found a point. Mm. And that's the point of getting to our next segment. <laughs> really? Short short banter session? It's getting kinda late. No, maybe make it a short episode. We've been doing like almost two hour two hour long episode. Let's see if we can kinda shorten that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The show notes, like the, the docket was kinda thrown together. Wanna have a short episode because hey, you're you, tired. You used to complain about that. Like we would do like almost two and a half hour episodes. You're oh, like I, I know. I'm just picking on you. Uh, okay. At my at my expense. Always. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. Alright. We'll get on to the next part. Mm-hmm. What's the next part? The next part is Should the fuck up. <laughs> Our recent review of The Whale. I know these rules can feel constraining, but remember, the point of this course is to learn how to write clearly and persuasively. Think about that. Think about the truth of your argument. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? You don't stay in touch with mom? She really only tells me things about you. Why? Because that's all I want to know about. Why'd you gain all that weight? Someone close to me passed away, and it had an effect on me. The synopsis is, a reclusive, morbidly obese English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. Directed by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, it's written by Daniel Hunter. Or, I'm sorry, Samuel D. Hunter. It stars Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, Hong Chow, and Ty Simpkins. Simpkins, more like sipping. <laughs> hey, I have to make a I have to make a bad joke because this mood mood this movie was hard, like uh-huh. hard to watch, and not like hard to watch as bad. Like fuck, this movie. No, I I said there was not one single moment in this film where mm. it what well, didn't hurt to watch it. Yeah. Like, the entire time I was emotionally in pain. Yeah, so... Yeah, Kelsey, what's your overall thoughts? Other than... Other than most, that it's painful? Yeah, uh, and, not, and not painful in a bad way. Like, painful, like, this is an, an emotional movie. Like, you were gonna feel things. Yeah. Um. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, really good movie. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to see Brendan Fraser, like back on the screen doing shit yeah um i like the different types of people that surround someone like his character mm-hmm. um and they show that really well um it also kind of talks about how people are affected by the things that happened in their past mm-hmm. how people cope with different things mm-hmm. um and I like uh, the different take on like addiction, I guess, yeah, where it's yeah. not about drugs and it's not about, um, you know, spending money or whatever. 
Yeah, it's not on like drugs or alcohol or even like sex. It's like no, this is like a food addiction and how like uh, how like the character is like slowly killing himself mm-hmm. by like gorging and eating unhealthy foods and you know the, the how how heavy I think the I think the character is supposed to be like six hundred pounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like my overall thoughts on it was like I'm I'm an Aronofsky fan. I've seen. I think I've seen all his movies, mm. um, and I have I have my favorites like you know like uh, Pie or Breaking for a Dream or I think my I think my personal favorites maybe like The Tree of Life, but I think it's because it's so visually stunning. Mm. Um, the, the Fountain is his, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's The Fountain. Yeah, I, I I think of Tree of Life because of just the Tree of Life. It's literally like the <laughs> Tree of Life. Yeah, The Fountain. My my mistake. Yeah, The Fountain. Um, I like Mother. Oh, that is a good one. I think. Hmm. See, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking about both of them. Like, damn, which is like I don't know which one's better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> of course, there's like people who are just who watch Mother and just like this is not what I thought it would be. I'm like, yeah, marketing was shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the whale, the whale. On the other hand, it's funny because like. This is like a very, even though it's a very emotionally like film to watch, it's actually pretty subdued compared to like the stuff he's directed in the past. Like some some of his stuff is like either visually stunning or there's like uh like a really kind of like I won't say frenetic style, but kind of like oh this movie's just getting stranger and stranger by the minute or something. Yeah, like but that. stranger is different than uh my body almost hurts because I feel that much emotional pain. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is actually pretty different than from, like, uh, from his past work. Like, for example, like, Wrecking for a Dream, it's not, like, it doesn't get strange, but it's, like, intense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a hard depiction of, like, heroin. Uh, heroin, uh, heroin addiction. Didn't mean to rhyme that. Heroinction. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so this one seems a bit more subdued in that in that in the visual sense. Um, I remember when we were watching this, I was like, okay, this had to have been a play. And I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot of research into the movie beforehand because I kind of wanted to come in blind, right? Like, you know, it was just like, Darren Aronofsky's got a film. All right, I'm already there. Brendan Fraser's got a movie coming out after being like not behind, not in front of the camera for like years. Okay, I definitely want to see that, like those two, like combination. Mm-hmm. Um, He's come a, a far away from Encino, man. <laughs> yeah that the and, greatest movie ever that and like airheads and like fury george of the jungle yeah, yeah right it's like that's george of the jungle what <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's like he's like a i don't say like i mean people people are like oh brendan frazier you know he's great in the well i'm just like y'all need to see y'all need to see like gods and monsters like everybody's kind of stuck on this not everybody but a lot of people in the pop culture zeitgeist are kind of stuck on like the Mummy, mm-hmm. The Mummy One and Two, and even Three and stuff like that, or or like you said, Encino Man, Arrowheads, and stuff like that. But it was like, no, go watch uh, like The Air I Breathe or Gods and Monsters and stuff like that. That dude can like legitimately act. What about that show on HBO? Oh, that Texas show that he was in? No, the one where he was. Um, it's like a comic book show. Oh, Doom Patrol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, his act is like legit, but like as in like before he came back to yeah. like where he is now. Like the dude's always been like a legit actor. Mm-hmm. Also, like I mean, 
I like to think he's the nicest, one of the nicest guys in Hollywood because like you never hear any bad story about him. Plus, every time he gets an award, he cries. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping like that stays true because you know how how sometimes it's like oh he's the nicest person in the world and then like two months later like. Well, he actually likes molesting kid, molesting kids, or some shit, like some dark ass shit starts yeah. coming out, or something like that. Um, not saying Brandon Fraser is into that. No, no. Um, we're saying we just really hope that nothing yeah. comes out like that. What's because... it called? Uh, I think it's called like milkshake duck or duck milkshake or something like that. Where if you dig far enough, you find like somebody's racist or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I was saying, like this movie is a bit subdued. Um, Compared to the director's work, um, it's funny because like some of the correlation with the director's past work, which is like his comment on like religion, is like in here, and the the script, which is based off of Samuel D. Hunter, um, is based off of a play that the same person wrote, mm-hmm. and I think that that was like Aronofsky's like attraction towards the project, like oh he has something, this person has something to say about religion. Even though it's not like overtly, if there's like, well, kind of overtly, but there's still like a lot of subtext behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film doesn't focus just on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, without spoiling it, we don't, you know, we'll get into that in the spoiler section. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I, re- I don't know if I would rewatch it because I feel like if I do, it's going to be a, a, an emotional ride again. <laughs> like, I feel like if I watch it again, I'll probably shoot myself. In <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like I mean, like key example is like why I can't watch Children of Men again. Like I've seen it like twice, mm-hmm. maybe like two or three times. But the last time I watched it, I I like cried at the end, like hard. Mm-hmm. And then I tried watching it again, and I felt the tears like coming up. And it was only like fifteen minutes of the movie. I felt those tears come. I was like, oh, can't watch this now. <laughs> Isn't that one that you wanted to show me? That's one of the movies I want to show you. I, you know what? I'll put it on the TV and you can watch it. I'll leave the room. <laughs> be like, what did you think? I imagine you would put it on and be like, all right, let me drink about it. <laughs> <laughs> let me drink about it. <laughs> no, that'd make it worse. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, Kelsey, what did you think of uh, the acting? Uh, most of the acting was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of trouble with uh, Sadie Sink. Oh yeah, who plays his daughter? Uh, it, uh, Ellie. Ellie. I, I. It's not her fault. Mm-hmm. I think it really is just how she was written. Mm-hmm. I just felt like most of the time she was just very angry the entire time. Mm. Um, which is like, yeah, okay, like we get it. Um, but I didn't. It took her so long to show any growth at all that I mm-hmm. just, like, I couldn't with her. Like, mm. she was just very, for, mo- for a lot of the film, I just felt like she moved really fast or talked really fast. Almost mm-hmm. like she was, like, uh, bipolar or something. Yeah, some type of, like, mental disorder. Yeah. Mm. Um, but she was really good, like, I towards the end where mm. the growth was for her. Mm. Um. I actually did enjoy her acting. See, that's like that's the thing. Like, I don't, and, and we and you and I kind of talked about this. Like the night we saw the movie, I don't. I didn't really have a problem with her acting. I get what you're saying. That like it seems like she was like always at eleven, like with kind of like the emotions and the shouting and stuff like that. 
But I didn't see that much as a, a detriment to her acting. I just felt it as like, oh, that's the character now because she has to deal with her father. And she's just always going to be angry about it and shit like that. Mm. I mean, given the history that, like, you know, he, he wasn't there for, like, most of her life and everything like that. Like, I remember I remember going through that. Um, not all the time, but, like, I remember thinking that if, when I was a teenager, like, if my father came back to my life, I'd just be angry at him all the fucking time. Yeah. I, after you told me that, mm-hmm. I kind of thought about it too. And I was like, um, I was towards the end of living with my dad, really angry at my stepmom all the time. Yeah. We would argue about shit all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But like, obviously, like when you think, you think back at that, you're like, I was young. Like I had so much aggression and everything. Cause I, I've seen, I've seen with, I've seen you and your stepmom interact and y'all two just like half laugh, having laughs and shit like that. That's not because. I was young. Mm. It was because she didn't like kids and it was awful. Mm. And then she all of a sudden realized I was an adult after I had Cameron. Yeah. Like it took her till after I had Cameron. Yeah. Um, so the change was on her end, not mine. And I'm forgiving. So Yeah. I gotcha. Um any any other comments on the uh acting? What do you think of Brendan Fraser's acting? That's what everybody's talking about this movie. Like, holy shit, Brendan Fraser's gonna win an Oscar for this role. I thought his acting was really great. Mm-hmm. I thought that his the emotions on his face were really um like sincere. Mm-hmm. And um I think it's funny how like he really plays a person who cares to a fault really mm-hmm. really well and not in a cheesy way, mm-hmm. not in a way that's like you get you deserve what you get or whatever it's like. And he genuinely like in the this character like genuinely just wants people to be okay. Yeah, I think, and I think that's that's why Brendan Fraser works so his his acting works so well with the character because, like I said, he's he's uh, generally known as a really nice guy, um, and maybe that just clicked with him well to be like that kind of optimistic individual. Um, cause like the character, uh, Charlie's, he's, he has a habit of saying like, I'm sorry. What's up? Well, he has a habit of saying, I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Well that, but not, but not just that, but just saying like that person's amazing or you're amazing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's, a. it seems like that comes from like, uh, like a genuine place, like someone who really like feels that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that's why the role worked so well for him. And it just seemed like he it seemed like he was just naturally just playing himself, but just like in a fat suit. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I enjoy Brendan Fraser's Fraser's uh, performance. Like I remember at the end of this movie, I was like, damn, give that dude the Oscar. However, I'm kind of walking that back now because it's like a battle between him and uh Ki Hoi Kwan, I think is his name. The dude from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I don't like the Oscar nominations haven't come out yet, but I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset if either one of them won the, won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, I almost kind of want Ki Hui, whatever the fuck his name Kwan. is. Yeah. I don't think you're saying it right, and I'm saying it worse than you because I'm... K-E, so K-E, and then yeah. H-U-Y, and then Q-U-A-N. Yeah. 
Mr. Kwan. We'll call him Mr. Kwan. <laughs> Mr. Kwan. Or K.H. Kwan. <laughs> um, I think he should. If he is nominated, he should get it because mm-hmm. I feel like the opportunities will come less for him than they would for Brendan Fraser. That's true. That's true. I mean, but yeah, that's that's very true. Um, but that's not to say that like an Oscar guarantees you roles. There have been stories of plenty of um, actors and actresses, or even like directors who won Oscars, and you just never hear from them again, or like they got in shitty or mo- shitty movies. Well, like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah. that because he's a person of color. Yeah. Um, just the opportunities don't come his way, and this could be his only chance to get an Oscar. Well, well, see, well yeah, that's true. That's, that's what I mean. That's true. Like, and and what I was because what I was getting to was like Holly Berry, for example. Mm. She was like the first black woman that's won an Oscar for for a leading actress in like fifty years or something like that. Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar um, for Jerry Maguire, and mm. their their uh, career took off fucking nosedive mm. like that's that oscar doesn't really guarantee you like especially even if you're a person of color doesn't guarantee you to be like in more projects mm-hmm. um uh, but that's not to like diminish the win i honestly i believe if it let's say none of the like Brendan fraser or mr kwan <laughs> they don't win the oscar mm-hmm. or one of them wins the oscar i think because of the not the hype, but the because of the performances that they've done in their movies, they they got their shit. Like, like roles are just going to be coming to them from this point on. Maybe. I feel like Asian people have a harder time than almost any other. That that is awesome. That, that's why I'm saying like I'm yeah. not I'm not talking at all about mm-hmm. more projects coming to them because mm. of an Oscar. Yeah. I'm just saying this could be his only chance to even get oh, an yeah, Oscar. To get an, yeah, that's true. That's, that's so that's true. what I'm saying because Brendan Fraser, I'm sure, will have other opportunities because he's true. a good actor yeah, too. But not only and that, he's white. Yeah, I was to say, he's a white male. He will mo- if he gets an- if he gets another dramatic role, he will most likely get another Oscar. Seriously. Yeah, and I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Mm. Um. Uh. Other than so, is there anybody else? Because uh, I know you. I know you had your issues with uh, Sadie Sink. Um, and then you enjoy Brendan Fraser. Uh, what about what about Hong? Hong Chow. Hong Chow played Liz. I liked her a lot. She was realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, she also had her moment where um, she was really sincere and emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I actually really liked her because um, mm. I, I like I don't want to give it away right now. Like I. I want to keep some things for the spoiler section, even though I don't think it's totally spoilery what I'm going to say, but like, mm-hmm. um, I just really like the realism mm-hmm. as far as people like her role as like a, a person or a caregiver around somebody else who needs her. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, uh, on that character. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because it seems like, it seems like everybody who shows up in this movie, except for the pizza guy, <laughs> has like an emotional moment. Like they have like a cathartic moment. Um, well, I don't know. He actually did a little bit. Not the pizza cathar- guy? Not cathartic, but oh, he had an emotional yeah. response to seeing yeah, him. Yeah, and he like filled his curiosity like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's I even like like Hong Chao. Uh, she she had this great arc 
um, with her character and like the reveal of like her connection with Charlie and Charlie's husband and everything like that and why she's like why she comes like every day to like check up on him and be like can you like go to the hospital please like there's a there's obviously like an emotional connection between the two and I like how they like I like how the writing kind of like allowed it to like organically come out of like her background and stuff like that and other and other parts of background like her her views on like religion and her her opinions on uh ty sipkin's character thomas mm-hmm. which i thought i thought there was that one scene between the two i thought that interaction was great yeah um i don't know anything else on huang chow Mm-mm. i'm sorry huang chow lord <laughs> forgive me hong chow <sighs> i'm an idiot <laughs> um so what do you think about the writing the writing is great yeah you know except for ellie's character i know that's like your biggest issue is like ellie the ellie character honestly i don't think it's the writing i think it's the directing Uh, on that one really yeah i can see that maybe like aronofsky was like i mean they're probably i i imagine like she would she would like go hard at a scene Mm -hmm. and he just wasn't like like pull that back a little bit you're kind of coming and, th- and i think that's kind of like aronofsky's style mm-hmm. like he has characters in his past films that like when they're emotional they're fucking emotional you know or they're really angry they like let it all out yeah i can see that but mm. like there is a point where if you don't pull them back they become a parody mm-hmm. of the character they're supposed to be yeah. playing mm-hmm. and to me she was borderline a parody of a teenage girl with anger issues Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. But, like, I know I'm talking shit about it, but, like, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't like her. I just I just don't like how she fit into this movie. Yeah. Um, you have to say you don't like her. To say you don't like redheads. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't like redheads. <laughs> I definitely wasn't attracted to um, the girl from The Notebook, Rachel McAdams, when she was in that movie. Well, she's not a natural redhead. Doesn't matter. I used to have a crush on Molly Wingwall. Ringwall? That's a Wingwall. <laughs> she heard you call her that. And now she's like, hmm, I'm attracted to Mark now because he I called know. me Molly Wingwall. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you want to hop into the uh, spoiler section? Yes. All right. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about the well in our spoiler section. Um we're gonna go we're gonna talk about it at great lengths i always feel like i get that Mm -hmm. wrong at great lengths Woo, got it right so yeah we're gonna be talking about the whale at great lengths um so if you don't want to be spoiled uh here's your spoiler bumper right about now I like to point out that whenever the spoiler bumper comes on, it's a catchy tune, so we're like, dee, dee, dee. and then Kelsey Kelsey and I do a little dance, and then Kelsey just makes it weirder and weirder <laughs> and weirder. And I just look at her and be like, how weirder can it get? And you never disappoint me. Yeah, because I got to put on a show <laughs> every time that song comes on. I know, on. just for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, uh, you mentioned in the non-spoiler spoiler section about Hong Chao. Mm-hmm. There's something you want to talk about 
That's very. That's kind of spoilery, but you know, sh- this is your moment. My moment mm-hmm. to shine. Yeah, shine away. Okay, Hung Chow mm-hmm. to me, my my um, take on her mm-hmm. is that she was the caretaker that felt responsible for taking care of somebody like mm-hmm. more than just someone that you pay. Like obviously she had a personal connection with him. Mm-hmm. And you're referring to Charlie or, or Charlie's husband? Charlie. Okay. Um, and um, I feel like she also could be the type of character like, there are people who are caretakers who mm-hmm. go above and beyond, but like they almost enable the person because mm-hmm. they feel so close to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like even she's telling him, you need to go to a hospital. He doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously not the first time they've had that conversation because she's not really pushing that hard. Yeah. Um, but she gives him the food that he wants. Yeah. Um, instead of making it difficult for him to get his hands on. Mm-hmm. Like, she just gives him a whole bucket of chicken, or so was that a like, um, was that an issue for you, or you think it? You, you no, I think that's realistic. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Right, right. like, um, when I was married, mm-hmm. um, if I like, I don't know, my ex would be like, oh, I'm gonna bring her home like a soda, yeah, or like even my mom, she'd be like, oh, let's go to the store. And get, like, Mountain Dew and a fucking Slim Jim. Like. Mm. <laughs> that combo. Holy shit. I've, I've heard worse, so. Or seen worse. I don't know. You've you've heard of other worse things from her. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, people will enable other people mm. because they feel like it's a show of love. Mm-hmm. Almost similar to a way where, like, there are lots of parents out there who let their kid do things because they don't want to be rude to them or, like, mm-hmm. tell them no and be the bad parent or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, like part of their childhood right to be a child. And, mm. um, and they just kind of, like, over-exaggerate that. Yeah. And I feel like she... She played this role in a way and was written in a way and also directed in a way where it's like you care for him and you are a caretaker. You obviously understand as someone who works in the medical field, Mm -hmm. you know, how things can take a turn for people. Yeah. And you're still giving him this food because you love him. Yeah. And also, I kind of feel in a way it's. It's a it's a small way of kind of protecting him because if um like if if she's not there to give him the food then he's gonna get it anyway mm-hmm. and it might be by like worse or means or something like that like at least she's trying to like I guess you can say she's trying to like uh what's the word I'm looking for not tame the situation but kind of like soften the blow. Mm. Like a bit, like I know she like brings him like the sandwich, like the meatball sandwich and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But she's not like, oh, here's a meatball sandwich, here's the pizza, here's this, here's this, and stuff like that. So at least she's trying to like, and she's still trying to convince him, like despite what he's eating, she's like, I'm still gonna be here because I think you still need to go to the hospital, or at least let me like take care of you, like yeah. check his heart and stuff like that. Um, 
And also, she mm. does it to the point where she knows she's watching her best friend die. Yeah. And uh, she, in, instead of saying, like, I can't do this anymore, mm-hmm. there were multiple times where she was around him mm-hmm. that if if it was me, I would have been like, I like I love you too much. I can't watch you do this to yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, the fact that she finally did get to that point, it was like, wow, it really took a lot for her to get there. But yeah, it was like finding out. And I like, <clears throat> like there's a whole reveal because she like, you know, she keeps saying, um, the Liz character keeps telling Charlie, like, go to the hospital. You know, you can be fit. You can like, they'll take care of you and everything. And his his thing is like, I don't have insurance, and I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna be in debt. Like, like it's either like die or die in uh, in debt. Like, it just those are my only options, right? Mm. And it's the whole reveal of like, no, he had like 128 thousand saved up. Um, and like when Liz finds out, she's like, "My car broke down. Like, why couldn't you help in me?" In the with winter it? time. In the winter time. And I remember seeing that scene. I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of fucked up that that he didn't help her." Even though he said like, "I'll pay for the repairs," and she was like, "No, because I thought you were broke." Um, but after thinking about it, I see why he did that, and it was because like he knew he was gonna die, mm-hmm. and he wanted to make sure his daughter was taken care of. Like that was like the biggest thing that he was most concerned about. Because mm-hmm. like Liz was like, we could have had beds, we could have had this, we could have ways you could have like got around the house without hurting yourself, or maybe try to lose weight or something like that. <clears throat> and I like how they didn't like say that out loud of like, oh, I saved this money for her. Mm-hmm. Like the writing, the writing and the directing was like. No, like, it, 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 here's, there you go. It finally hit me. This movie doesn't act, this movie doesn't play out like the audience is stupid. It plays out like, no, the audience is going to get it. Mm-hmm. They've experienced this in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're going to, like, say it. We're not going to say it. It's uh, the whole, like, sense of um, show but don't tell uh-huh. kind of thing. And then let us, like, let the audience members, like, okay, this is what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. You're talking about in that moment, right? Because later yeah. on he does say this money was for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's but yeah, I know like and I that's for like all right, well here like like we already alluded to that and here's like the dialogue gonna play out because that's just how it, it's it happens organically mm-hmm. in that in that sense. Yeah. Um I do have one tiny complaint. Mm-hmm. Is it I, with Liz? No, it's not okay. with Liz. No, no, no. It's just like the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. My only like complaint about this movie, and like I said, it's very tiny, is there are like multiple underlying messages in this movie to the point where it almost gets convoluted at times. Uh-huh. Like, not only is the movie about addiction, it follows religion, it talks about abandonment, like a uh, father leaving abandonment, um, uh, how God, like, mental how, health. Mental health. Um, how the church views um, uh, homosexuality, uh, the loss of a partner, the loss of a brother. Like, it, it has all these kind of, like, things, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, like, convoluted, like, this overabundance of, like, underlying messages that I think they could have dropped some of it to make it a more, like... Like, because there, there are scenes where, like, it's emotionally hard to watch because it goes at it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now next to the fucked up part. And then on to the next, and then on to the next, and that's kind of like that's why, 
like you like you had told me that you cried once and you just didn't stop the tears like they just kept coming Mm -hmm. and i cried like i think like four times Mm -hmm. in this movie and it would have been like a nice like let me take a little break (laughs) from this depressing ass movie that's why i don't like watching movies like this Mm -hmm. because yeah they're really good yeah but also, like, I'm really fucking emotionally damaged already. I, yeah. I can't handle, like, when we watched um, Now They See Us or whatever it was. Oh, the uh, Ava DuVernay uh, project? Yeah. Yeah. Or When They See Us. When They See Us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I just couldn't. Like, I can't stand seeing people hurt. Yeah. Um. So, that's, I guess, my thing. Um with what you just said mm-hmm. isn't so much that it was convoluted. I uh-huh. honestly liked how everything played out mm-hmm. except for Thomas. Oh, the, um, Ty Sipkin's character, the religious guy. He didn't need a background story. If he was just mm-hmm. a religious zealot trying to help him, mm-hmm. he played, he played a, a point, like a purpose. He was, mm-hmm. he made some sense. But I also uh, think that he showed up too much and he didn't need a backstory. I I don't really agree with that. Like I, the, his backstory didn't really bother me, and I and I'm looking at this at a standpoint of like they could have made that kid the same way he was, but without his backstory, he would just seem like the religious zealot of like, oh, here's like a clear bad guy, you know, or here's a clear like antagonist because he's strong because. You know his character doesn't believe in in homosexuality or God. God um, sees that as a sin and all that kind of stuff. Or he's punishing Charlie for his like sinful ways, quote unquote. Um, and I think if they didn't give that background to the character, he would have just seen it as just like one dimensional. Um, and I think the background kind of like his the character background on him is like no, he's just as damaged and as lost. As everybody that we've seen in this movie, at least that's how that's how I was taking it. Yeah, I maybe I just didn't like. I don't know. Maybe it's the actor or how he was written yeah. or something. I I will admit he he kind of does get a little too pushy about it, and he's flat. Yeah, like the like the parts where he was like, like when he was like when he first like showed up, he was like saying like, "Oh, here's like new life. This is what they got to offer. All that kind of stuff, right?" And then how, like, the Liz character, like, just t- kept telling him, like, he doesn't want to hear this. Like, and you're not helping the situation. And then he would, like, show up and be like, oh, no, like, Charlie want to talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. And that, then I was like, all right, dude, you're, you're trying too fucking hard to, yeah. like, sell this stuff. Well, you know, some some religious people are. The mission, some missionaries are and shit like that. But it, I, it got to a point where, like, I'm so involved with everybody else. And then here's this dude that shows up. Like, oh, no, you need God. Like, no, we're watching this right now. This is what's going on right now. I did like that, though. Mm-hmm. Like that whole piece where it's like he he wants to save Charlie so he can save himself. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with him really caring about Charlie and everything to do with mm-hmm. himself. It's like when people help other people. Mm-hmm. Just so that they feel good about themselves, yeah, but they don't like, really care about the other person. Yeah, they like re- they they do it for likes. They record it. This is how I'm helping this homeless person, as opposed mm-hmm. of like, no, I just genuinely want to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, I got that. I really got that from that character, 
too. And it's it's funny. And he was just so happy to be going home, like, like fuck Charlie. Yeah, like oh, like that. <laughs> you know, my family has forgiven me for stealing the money. And before I leave, here's my last ditch effort. But guess what? God doesn't like you because of this. Yeah. Like just like fuck, dude. Like come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. And he took his book anyway. Oh, he took uh, his uh, Charlie's husband's book. Is his Bible? Yeah. Yeah, that part was pretty fucked up. Like he like snatched that shit, and then like he like tried to weaponize like the scripture mm-hmm. that like Charlie's husband had like. Um, What's the husband's name? Was it like Lance? I feel like it was Lance or Thomas or something like that. No, Thomas is the missionary. Okay. Let me look that up actually right now. Yeah, like he went into his room and went through his personal belongings basically and grabbed mm. that book and then, you know, saw the picture of Charlie and his boyfriend. Mm. And, um, you know, once they had their confrontation, it was, he was like, How'd you get my book? Alan. I remember Alan Grant because I remember that was that was in the book. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. And he um. He just took the book. Like, Char- yeah, Charlie was like, "Here, you can have it." But he already knew he was dying anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's like, "Yeah, you can have it." But like, why would he take that book? It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean. Oh, and also, what I was, what I want to get at is like, I don't. Well, I don't know if I said this guy. I feel like I. I feel like I did, but probably forgot <laughs> that, like, how Thomas had uh, weaponized that, that part that Alan had highlighted mm-hmm. and tried to be like, this is why, like, this is why God's punishing you. And here's the scripture. And, like, your husband knew it as well, which is like, dude, that's some fucked up shit. I to don't do. think he hi- he didn't highlight that. It was already highlighted. No, 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 no. That that Alan had already highlighted oh, and he yeah. used it to turn around and be like, clearly Alan had a problem with your oh, sinful yeah, ways. Oh yeah, because he killed himself. Be like, he would still be here if God, like, um, if you weren't living in sin with another man. Yeah. yeah like yeah, if yeah. God accepted you for who you were, you wouldn't feel like shit about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's why I was just like, damn, fuck this guy. <laughs> but back to what you said about like him taking the book, I kind of, I took that as a way of, um, not him taking the book, but the way of Charlie giving him the Bible. Like, clearly this boy needs it more than, than what it's doing right now, which is sitting on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, Charlie, like, almost gets in his face about, like, and has him, like, be honest about, like, you find me disgusting. Like, just fucking say it. You find me disgusting. The guy's like, yes, I find you disgusting. You know? And he just, like, gives him the Bible. Like, clearly you need this. Because mm-hmm. I've I've read the book back and forth and shit like that several times. Speaking of him asking if he finds him disgusting, mm-hmm. he asks that of people multiple times. Mm-hmm. And each time he's asking them, they give a response. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I do. But then it's not because you're fat. <laughs> yeah. And th- and it's because you're gay or because you left me or. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like they, and it's just dawning me right now how the Charlie character talks about honesty, mm-hmm. like with his students, he's like, just write something honest, and he tells his daughter, like, write something honest, and that's the thing he's like looks for. He just wants authentic honesty, honest honesty, mm-hmm. and that's why he like points to like like just admit it, like you find me disgusting because X, Y, and Z, like don't bullshit me. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's I think that's a one another unglad message that kind of pops up, but it's an overall one that I think it, it works for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing this movie does is make you look at yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, I did that several times but while it, watching this. It sucks because it like brings you right down to the thing that you the. The most inner thing that you don't, you try really hard not to think about the thing that you can't process Mm -hmm. on your own or, you know, like something that you might feel alone with. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I don't know, there were times that I felt like, like I'm like Charlie in a way because Mm -hmm. I'm the caregiver. Like I want people to be okay. I want people to be honest. Mm -hmm. I like uplifting people. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, it's hard work. It's not like I'm just doing it to make myself feel better. Yeah, a because a lot of people aren't honest. And then, like you say, you're trying to uplift people. People, There are people who take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like, case in point, like the past relationships I've had where I, I always try to uplift an individual, whoever I'm with. But, like, they just kind of like, oh, thanks, I'm going to go ahead and use it. They don't reciprocate that shit. Yeah. And it, it, the relationship, like, falls apart. Right. Um, so I felt like I was him, but also Mm. to the point where sometimes you put people in front of you to the point where you like, it's like, um, you don't, you're not taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and like, you could tell that's how he was. Yeah. Um, and also the whole honesty thing, Mm -hmm. like I have told my kids growing up, I can't deal with a liar. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be honest with me and you're going to like. You're going to face whatever happens if you if you deserve it, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't lie, because if I have to find out that you've lied, it's going to be so much worse. Yeah. my Like, I grew up, my, everyone in my family is a liar, mm-hmm. except for Kyle. I don't know. No, I'm <laughs> joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, like, everyone in my family is a liar. And mm-hmm. I, I just had a horrible childhood because of it. So it's yeah. like, I felt, I felt that where he was like, I want honesty. I want honesty. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like, yes, car. <laughs> <laughs> Car's like, talk about that part. <laughs> um, I forget why, but I he made me also kind of like, oh, because he he's letting himself die, or he's mm-hmm. like, is he's like actively trying to like like kill his body mm-hmm. but he didn't do it quickly he mm-hmm. didn't do it with like stabbing himself or like mm-hmm. shooting himself or anything like that he chose to punish himself yeah through food mm-hmm. and um i have a tendency to like punish myself mm-hmm. in ways like that um and um like it forced me to kind of think like the thing that I can't let go is mm. um, I don't think there's one person who's ever not hurt me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like you get to a point where like you could tell he was like, I deserve this. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, I feel like I deserve it. Yeah. Even though clearly he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, cle- uh, and clearly you don't. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you've said. <laughs> You said some things, and I'm like, whoa, that's kind of fucked up. But, like, you're just being honest about a situation or something like that. Like, I don't, I've never, 
I mean, Grant, I'm not with you like 24-7, but an entire time of a relationship, I've never seen you do something bad, like, at all. Mm. Like... Well, I've had, like, a thought. That's the thing. You've had a thought. Everybody has, like, a bad thought. But, like, I'll admit of, like, I've done bad stuff that I'm in no way proud of. Like, the way I've treated people or, have like, done things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, which is one of the things I always, like, tackle with them, like, pretty much, like, every day. But you, on the other hand, it's just, like, it's almost like, I can't picture you doing anything bad. <laughs> and that's as I'd say that, like, you're weak or something. It's like, this person's too good. Like, why would she do anything bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except that I wrote, you know, a bit, you know, Mark's big fat turd in this notebook. <laughs> I know the worst thing you've ever done. Like in one of those notebooks, you know, it says like, you know, what's your reward yeah. for finding yeah, this yeah, notebook this and book. returning it? Yeah, my big fat turd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's it. Like, mm. that's what I struggled with coming out of the theater. Mm. Like, there's so many f- ways that you connect with people. Yeah. Um, and I could probably connect with every one of them, but with oh, him the, the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with him the most. Um, I felt like I connected the most with Charlie and the Ellie character. And that's because of, um, that's because of my issue, my, uh, my abat- my abandonment and my my issues with my dad mm-hmm. like like there were like there's this one particular scene where like she's yelling at Charlie and she's like you know you just left me and I never heard from you again how can you do that like just like she's, she's screaming at him like I'm fucked up because of like the shit that you did and everything right mm-hmm. and that was like seeing that scene played out that's like so many times I played out a scenario in my head. It's like, oh, my dad came back. Like, I would just start saying, like, the most hurtful shit and be like, why did you do this to me? Like, was I not good enough? Or, like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that scene, I was like, oh, that one hurts a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel what that girl is going through. Um, and then some, and, and also at the same time, I was feeling like Charlie because, I, you know, I have, a, I have a 12-year-old daughter you know, I have this like nightmare of her just being like, Dad, I'm fucked up because you did this, blah, blah, blah. You know, you didn't stick around with mom. You didn't take care of me. Like all this kind of stuff. Even though, like, I'm not saying I'm like I'm a bad father. Um, Kelsey has seen me interact with my child. Like, you can kind of clearly tell who's like, her favorite parent, mm-hmm. but I'm still waiting for, like, I'm not the, I'm not the perfect father. So it's that fear of, like, okay, she's just going to confront me and to say, like, you know what, Dad? I don't like you because of X, Y, and Z. That's a normal feeling because I feel that way too. Even though I don't actively do anything to the girls. Mm -hmm. Um, You know how it is like you you experience something as a kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you end up doing the thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like maybe I'm a little bit too much like my stepmother having Mm -hmm. lived with her in the years where you really needed a nurturing hand. Yeah. so to the point where I'm like, I don't even wake up sometimes and be like, hey, good morning. I'm like, you didn't do the fucking litter box. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. And I have to tell you guys to brush your teeth and blah, blah, blah. Like, then I'm like, and I like tell them good morning. first, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Before you do that. Um, or because I have anxiety and depression, I, I feel mm. like they're going to be like, all right, can't wait to get away from that. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I have the I have the same thing. Um, I'm referring to my mom because my mom would like fly off the handles like out of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've 
there have been times I've, well, before I like actually start seeking help and stuff like that and being medicated, that that was a bad habit of mine that I would fly off the handles on on my daughter mm-hmm. for like the stupidest fucking reasons. And there were times I was just like, holy shit, I'm turning into my mom. Like mm-hmm. that's something, and that. What happened with me and my mom, that, like, mentally scarred me to the mm-hmm. point where I'm getting therapy and getting Medicaid and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that to Leia. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I've got, like, more control now. But there are times, like, um, at the morning of this recording, I kind of, like, got on her about, like, not taking, like, a certain tutoring class. And mm-hmm. I felt like I'm getting fucking angry. I'm going to blow up on her. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um. But also, she was kind of a little shit and deserved it. Yeah, she was a little shit. <laughs> she was being a little shit. <laughs> um, also, my my other connection to Charlie is like his type of optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not now. It's, it's there. There are like two levels that I'm between him and I. Mm-hmm. But like, I still like to think that like, okay, there are good people out there. People are amazing. Like, I like to see the lighter side. But sometimes, like you, like has Kelsey's. Kelsey has said, like, I, I'll purposely blind myself mm-hmm. and, like, be like, no, that person's great. And not, not really realize, oh, no, that's this is, like, kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I It's funny because we kind of view it in a different way. Mm. Like, I felt like your, your level of optimism with, mm. like, that is what you said. Like, that I would think that you're, you just blind yourself to the bad and you refuse to see it. Mm. So you stick around in the bad situations because everyone's amazing and you're the piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I, re- I like, um, connected with him and the positivity side. Mm. I'm very selective with it, but if yeah. I find someone who I find amazing, mm-hmm. they, then they get all my positivity. Like, yeah. like they're great. You know, I'll help them through anything. Mm. Just, I don't find most people deserving of it. Yeah. I'm still waiting for you to like, reciprocate that yeah i didn't help you through college or anything like that and no, i could have you're just being like totally negative like you're gonna fail you're a fucking loser uh, as that one comedian say said uh the only le- the only language you speak is failure <laughs> <laughs> you know because wasn't like that off now she's very supportive and really helped me get my fucking degree <clears throat> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, we've been we've been going at this for a while. Uh, the, I, I, I mean, know it's like a lot of personal shit, but yeah, like the, the film this does the, that. Yeah, this is the thing. This is the movie that like you're gonna maybe work through some shit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even talk when I got out of the movie theater. Oh yeah, you were quiet. I I remember we got into the car. We got in the car, and I was like, "Well, do you want to talk about the movie, or do you want to just be quiet?" Because I I. <laughs> You, it was all over you. It was like you, you borderline want to run out of the theater because you're like, holy shit, I can't hold it in. No, and I didn't even want to look at you. Yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't look at you. Yeah, and like when I was in the car, yeah, like I said, I was in the car and I was like, you want to talk about the movie or want to be quiet? And you said, well, you can talk. And I was like, that means be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then even, even after we got back to Kelsey's place and we're like. We're it still, still took a while because yeah. it was almost like, what do we do with our hands? Yeah. And like the kids were like getting ready for bed and um, it was like, come on, guys, get ready for bed. Like finally what broke it was that I was having to tell them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. we could start talking. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we were like kind of talking about it, 
<laughs> there are times you and I start tearing up because we're like saying how we relate and like all these feelings we had, and we're like, all right, let's hold back those tears. Let's let's actually talk about the movie. I was actually having a hard time when I've, after we watched the movie, I was like, I don't think I can do this episode. Oh, really? It was Holy like that. Shit. I was like, I because if if I feel if I feel the way. Um, if it, if, if, feel- if it like lingers and mm-hmm. I have to do the episode, like it's just going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be trauma city. <laughs> that would be funny if like, if I was like, yeah, we're not doing this week's episode because uh, the whale kind of wrecked us. <laughs> we can't talk about it. <laughs> um, all right. So before we're done, um, just a quick thoughts on the ending. Um, and how they were how they set up that ending at the beginning of the movie, where Brendan Fraser's character is possibly about to have a heart attack, and he's reading this essay, mm-hmm. and then you you realize like, oh, the essay is the one that his daughter wrote, and mm-hmm. how he felt he like how she was like being truly honest, like at a, at like the age of eight or something like that. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the movie, he like he's he feels the heart attack coming, like this is it, this is gonna kill me, and he just like asks her to like read just read it one more time and it's that really powerful moment where he like gets up on his own and starts walking uh-huh. and the music like swells up um throughout the course of the movie it's it was like raining non-stop like every day of the week it was raining non because to six place over like five days um but when they open the door when she opens the door it's like bright and sunny and everything like almost like he's walking into the light mm-hmm. um and all, well also for me that was mm-hmm. the moment where her walls were broken down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like... Yeah, he essentially, like... It, it does his camera shot. <laughs> I kind of thought it was funny. Because how it was done. But that's his camera shot where, like... You see Brendan Fraser and, like, his feet are, like, coming off the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like... He's he's ascending to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And the camera kind of and he like smiles, looks up, and the camera just like shoots up with him and stuff like that. And it like it ends, right? And it just it just looked kind of funny. I know it's like a really serious moment, but it was just like, oh, he found the power of levitation. <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't think it looked funny. I I had I had to think it was funny, otherwise I was just gonna break down and cry. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Let's well, you were. It did make you cry anyway. So yeah, but I, I got tired. I got tired. Of crying. <laughs> I got tired of crying. <laughs> I got tired of crying. So I'm gonna make fun of the fat guy dying. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just like he got superpowers. Who do? Who doesn't want superpowers? Mm. There's either thin and fit, uh-huh. and then in between, uh-huh. there's just like, you know, you're not as strong, or you like have no stamina and you have heavy breathing uh-huh. if you get to a certain point where you gain enough weight mm-hmm. then you're superhuman just like him so maybe maybe we should stop this keto diet and just like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> let's get superpowers yeah <laughs> um any last thoughts on the movie um no however recommend it I say I recommend it with caution. Oh, yeah. Like, be prepared to feel things. Like, if you can handle it, I would say watch it. If you can't handle it, then probably steer clear for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Is there anything else? No. All right. We got through it. We 
got through it. Woo. Yes. Uh, so what do we got next? Next, we're going to do our variety time. So there was some controversy surrounding the whale. Yes. So we're going to talk about it. Um, yeah, so uh, I got a couple of articles um, that I found. There was some controversy surrounding the whale, and it was some people were considered as consider the movie as fat phobic. Um, so for those who don't know what fat pho- fat phobic is, is essentially making light of fat people, mm-hmm. either in a co- comedic sense or just kind of making uh, light of the situation and not actually understanding like the hardship that they go through. Not just like, let's say, health-wise or like mobility and stuff like that, but how like society views them as like a waste of space or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this article by uh, Time uh, titled What to Know About the Controversy Surrounding the Well, written by uh, Armani, A-R-M-A-N-I? Armani. Armani. Thank you, Armani. <laughs> you should know that one. I know, Armani C. Okay. <laughs> um, so at one point in the article... Um, one point of the article, or one section of the article, which says uh, Fraser's long-awaited comeback. Um, in 2018, Fraser told GQ that the trajectory of his career was affected by a divorce, the death of his mother, physical health issues, and an alleged assault by Hollywood Foreign Press Association President Philip Burke uh, at a uh, HFPA hosted luncheon at the Beverly Hills Hotel in 2003. While Burke recalled groping Fraser in what he referred to as a gestive in his memoir, calling the allegations a total fabrication, Frazier said the alleged assault was more sinister. Just kind of give you a background of like what's been going on with Brendan Frazier and his connection to the film. So he said, what Frazier said is, uh, I felt ill. I felt like a little, ch- little kid. I felt like there was a ball in my throat. I thought I was going to cry. Frazier recalled adding that he was inspired to speak about the experience after witnessing the courage of his friends during the Me Too uh, movement. That was in 2007. So, in the next section, it says, why is the whale being accused of fat phobia? 2017, right? Not 2007? Yeah, sorry, 2017. Thank you. Um, So, the article article continues, some of the film's uh, critics believe it uh, perpetuates tired tropes of fat people as suffering, uh, chronically depressed, and binge eating. Some have also called Fraser's transformation into Charlie with the use of a fat suit demeaning. Sorry, dehumanizing, pointing out that fat people can't take off their weight at the end of the day in the way that actors can. And that actors, uh, that fat actors are overlooked when it comes to casting roles. Uh, so there was a few comments uh, because like the director and the lead actor was like, all right, let's confront this. Um so Frazier told Vanity Fair that Charlie was brought to life after uh, five or six hours in a makeup chair using a metamorphic prosthetic suit that was not exactly comfortable and carrying around 50 to 300 extra pounds during the various scenes. Frazier added that the torso piece was also <clears throat> almost like a straight jacket and he often needed mobility assistance from the crew. So with that, I feel like I feel like he's just kind of being honest of like like this is like what I had to go through, but he's sharing it like I kind of understand what you people, what everybody goes, not, not everybody, but like, but big people go through. Kind of. Mm-hmm. That's like saying though, like, 
that's like saying I get the plight of black people because I'm a woman and I'm also like treated like shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? No, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But I think he was I think I think he was just trying to be transparent about like, well, it's not just like let me just put on a fat suit and then boom bang do I'm done. You know. It yeah, was like yeah. it was like they wanted a he the, the production wanted an authentic feel and look of the character as mm-hmm. opposed to just like here's a sumo suit that like that you get from like a halloween store yeah like shit. you're not turning into mrs doubtfire yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so the article continues these painstaking efforts taken to uh uh emulate charlie's physical shape left some plus size get Plus size gay actors question why Frazier, a heterosexual actor who weighs much less than his character secured the role uh daniel Frenzy? Okay. Frenzy. <laughs> How do you spell that? F- F-R-A-N-Z-E-S-E. Z-E-S-E? Fren- yeah. Frenzesse. Frenzesse. An actor best known for his role as Damon in Mean Girls told people he and other large gay actors are generally overlooked for roles even when they have to when they have the direct life experience. He said that he was conflicted because he loves Frazier and wants him to have his moment, but the casting choice represents a wider issue. Um, so, how do you say his name again? Franzini? Franzi? I don't know. You can say it however you want. So, I'll say Damien, uh, Daniel F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to finally have a chance, he's, he continued to finally have a chance to be in a prestigious film that might be award uh, nominated where stories about people who look look like us are being told question you know that's that's the dream that the actor said so when they go time and time again and cast someone like brendan frazier me and the other big queer guys were like what (laughs) what the question mark uh we can't take it um so you know they it goes on a little bit more about the uh the criticism that they face um so there was a response to this, the cast and crew have responded to this. Frazier has said that he sees the film and his character differently. He told people that using a fast suit and prosthetics was one of the mo- one of the more exacting ways, one of the more exacting ways to create an accurate character. He added that Charlie's costume would respect the laws of gravity and physics in a way that is unique compared to previous movies. Efforts which have often served by served up mocking or comedic portrayals of fat people. I think that goes to what I was saying earlier that he was just like this was like a real thing and we didn't want to we wanted to pay as much respect as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so the article continues. Charlie was brought to life with the help of makeup. Oh, specialist uh, Andre Morat, who used a three D printer and digital scrub. So he goes into details about like whether the fat suit. Aronofsky maintains that Charlie uh, has been portrayed with empathy and understanding telling variety that a lot of his colleagues in entertainment have created one note movies that depict obesity with crude jokes. So even Aronofsky was just like, this is going to be an issue. So let's like try to make it as sympathetic as possible. Yeah. Um, He added that they tried to cast an actor who would pull off the emotions of Charlie's character, but the health complications that had uh, that can occupy a company's severe obesity made it an impossible role to fill with a real person dealing with those issues. What's what's your take on that? The, I, that's the thing I was waiting for you, for a moment to talk about. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Okay, I could see hiring a deaf person to play a deaf role. Mm-hmm. I could 
see like hiring someone who's missing a leg to play a role mm-hmm. about someone who's missing a limb or someone who's like confined to like a wheelchair yeah yeah but i couldn't see hiring someone who's 600 pounds mm-hmm. to play a role mm-hmm. that requires you to get out off the couch mm-hmm. to like even walk with a walker yeah or like being part of like long hours like 12 16 hours on set underneath like heat lamps and stuff like that and like essentially like repeating like these gestures or or certain spots and stuff like sorry certain dialogue moments or right like even filming more. can take like 14 hour days and shit like yeah. or longer yeah yeah so there's like me there's actual health concerns with it mm. not to mention like it really seriously would stunt the the production mm. and maybe even like the performance and like maybe the message which is trying to convey right so i think i think by brendan wearing you know the prosthetics and everything mm-hmm. he could focus more on the empathy mm-hmm. you know for someone who has those issues as opposed to watching somebody who really does mm-hmm. and feeling like um what's the word just like generally feeling like that person is really unhealthy and mm-hmm. like you can't focus on the empathy of of the story you're yeah. just focused on why is this this particular per like this mm-hmm. real person not getting help for themselves they, yeah. they'd love to be in a movie but they're not you know what i mean yeah and i think i think if they did do that and you know i mean this is just like guessing some people might have like seen it as um the word exploitative mm-hmm. if that was if that was the case it, there, or there, i think there would be more controversy if that was if that was the case also i as a like as a director mm-hmm. like i said those other issues i named were would be easier to handle mm-hmm. if i was gonna hire somebody who was like 600 pounds mm-hmm. i could not deal with the hate yeah. from all the fucking right-wing people or mm-hmm. whatever yeah because they can't hate on brendan fraser because mm. he's not he's not built like that. Yeah. But you definitely like Gaberni Sibide or whatever her name is. Oh, Gabide Sibide? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She like she got made fun of so much. Yeah, for just being big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in like uh even in like that movie Precious that like she started in was like nominated for an Oscar. If you watch that movie, they like like metaphorically and me- metaphorically and physically beat the shit out of her. Like almost to a sense is like all right, it's kind of just like it's like not not it's kind of like torture porn in in like an emotional sense. I think that's what I was trying to get at too. Yeah. Like it's easier to see him as an empathetic person, knowing mm-hmm. he's not built like that. Yeah. Than to see someone who is built like that basically being tortured and mm-hmm. like dying because yeah. it's not. I mean, it is hard. It's not that it's too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like. It's so real, like yeah. That's the only thing you're going to be focused on. Yeah, yeah. Um. So another point in the article, it goes into the the name of the well. Uh, the name of the well is a double entendre. On one hand, it refers to Charlie of Charlie's obsession with an English paper on the class, a classic novel, Moby Dick. But Hunter, the writer of the original play, also told Variety that it is deliberately pokes it deliberately pokes at someone's. Uh, sorry. Deliberately? Deliberately? 
deliberately pokes at some people's prejudice. Mm-hmm. So they're actually like, and so it, it, he says he added, I wasn't surprised by the blowback because of the history of the way that obesity is treated on film. And we live in it. We live in cynical and reactory. R-E-A-C-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y. Reactionary. Reactionary times. Which it makes, I, I feel like it makes sense because I remember, I remember this controversy like came up and there was even like, uh, <laughs> there's a controversy that came up and even Darren Aronofsky was just like, I don't get like, why? Like, it doesn't really make any sense for like this controversy. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I think that was, this was coming from people who hadn't really seen the movie. Yeah. Well, because also you don't see the irony of of um, the writer mm-hmm. and the reason why he chose the whale. Yeah. Like, people would be like, oh, yeah, you chose the whale because you're calling this fat guy yeah, a whale. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's yeah. like, no, I, I chose the title because other people would call him a whale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he told, uh, so Aronofsky told Yahoo Entertainment um, about Fraser's role, right? Uh and he says, and the links we, uh, he says, actors have been using makeup since the beginning of acting. That's one of their tools. And he continues, and the links we went to portray the realism of the makeup has never has never been done before. One of my first calls after casting Brendan was to my makeup artist, Adrian Mortar, uh, Morat. I asked him, can we do something that's realistic? Because if it's going to look like a joke, then we shouldn't do it. So even he was being self-aware, like, we got to do this right. Mm-hmm. I was really actually surprised too. I actually thought he did gain a lot of weight on purpose. I, yeah, that's what I thought. But not that much weight, but like, yeah. I really thought he put on a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, so the. So Aronofsky had also said people with obesity are generally written as bad guys or punchlines. Um, we wanted to create a fully worked out character who has bad parts about him and good parts about him. Charlie's very selfish, but he's also full of love and seeking is seeking forgiveness. So the controversy controversy makes no sense to me. Brendan Fraser is the right actor to play the role, and the film is an exercise in empathy. Um. So yeah, like I said, even like the director's like, like this is what I was trying to convey. And that's here's the thing, Aronofsky, he's upfront with his shit. Even though he shouldn't be as a director, like he should be like, just here's the film, take it what you will. Uh-huh. Um, like he like when it came to Mother, he was kind of like up. He was actually upfront of like this movie's about religion. Mm-hmm. Even though you watch it, you can be like, it's about relationships. It's about the it's about being an artist it's about writing it's about creating something you know it's about losing yourself as a wife yeah exactly but he was just like no it's about religion so he's very upfront with like his shit mm-hmm. but also i feel like he has to be uh mm-hmm. really strong like that to carry the weight of these particular movies mm-hmm. because if you aren't willing to be upfront then People are just going to bowl you over or it loses its message because people bastardize it. And they Yeah, and they they end up, like like how I said in a review of The Well, they end up weaponizing it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, yo, just watch the fucking movie. <laughs> you can come up with your own conclusion. Yeah. And now we are going to do our geriatric cinematic 
of Mark Lester's Commando. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. The synopsis is... A retired Special Forces colonel tries to save his daughter, who was abducted by his former subordinate. Directed by Mark Lester, written by Stephen D'Souza, it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Don Chong, Dan Hedaya, Vernon Wells, and Alyssa Milano. This film came out in 1985. I don't know if I said that. No, you said it several times. Matter of fact, that's how you started the podcast. 1985. <laughs> Hey, Mark. Huh. This movie came out in 1985. 1985 uh, followed the greatest year in U.S. history. 1987? 1984. <laughs> Isn't that the name of a book? Greatest year. What's the book it, about? What's the greatest? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what's the book about? Yeah. This is a dystopian future. Exactly. So that's not the greatest year. Greatest year for America. It's the worst year because of dystopianism sometimes you need to start off with a clean slate to kill everybody i'm not saying it but you're thinking it yes <laughs> <laughs> um so commando 1985's commando um it's about men who don't wear underwear right yeah okay. going commando mm-hmm. so a couple of reasons we why we actually chose and i'm actually glad we did decide to Go with Commando. Because of how sad the whale is. How sad the whale is. And we gotta like go with something a little uplift- uplifting. Um, there were some other choices that we were gonna rock, but those were those movies were also very depressing. So I'm we- really, really surprised that you didn't want to watch Anne of Green Gables <sighs> or Heidi. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> You should say really quickly <laughs> your experiences with those trailers. First of all, what, what was the one? Anna de Biarmos? What's it called? <laughs> what's that one? What's the Anna one called? Anne uh-huh. of of Green. Anne of Green. Gables. Anne of Green de Barnos. Okay. <laughs> Anne of Green Barnacles. <laughs> Yeah, like the trailer for that movie was like, was that a movie or a miniseries? I feel like that was a it was a movie, right? It was a movie. It's Canadian production. It looked really fucking weird, and what? it it did like I don't know. It it looked unsettling. Like I'm watching like a a movie I shouldn't be watching. Like some family <laughs> some family reels and shit like that. Uh-huh. Where like the the kids in the movie. Are the kids in the reels just start disappearing out of nowhere, and you find them, and they're like hung or some shit like that. I don't, I don't. It's weird. I got a, I got a weird vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other one? Harry, Harriet, Heidi, Heidi. The other one, and it starred Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. Thank you. Um, Heidi. I almost said Harriet again. Heidi. I tried to find a trailer for Heidi. Well, <laughs> and two, three things happened. One, no, I'm sorry. Two things happened. One was like, if you're on YouTube, you have to watch the movie. There's no trailer. Like, period. <laughs> and then, like, then there was a trailer, 
but it was like a fan made trailer <laughs> with like some deeply disturbing music like <laughs> no, no, it was you're making that sound way better than it actually was um, well, it was more twangy. Yeah, and I was just like, we're not doing these fucking movies. <laughs> and the Heidi trailer was going fast. I know. <laughs> yeah, like the FPS was like faster than it should have been. Yeah. And Kelsey's just like sitting there like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you showing me? What? Do, I got seven, do I have seven days to live? <laughs> I think Heidi is a really good movie, though. You I love that movie. Good. Did not sell it to me. I tried to, but you were like, this is a sucky trailer, so the movie sucks. No, like, no, no. I didn't tell you to watch that. I can't. Look. No. <laughs> no. I can't watch it. You can, and you will one day. No, nah, I'm good. All right, I'll watch them one day. I won't I won't have eyes, but I'll watch them one day. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we... And I, I, Commando is one of the movies I have been wanting to show Kelsey for a while. Because uh, it was one of the movies I like grew up watching a lot. Like, it was like on like uh, local, like local access channels or something. It'd be like on Channel 13, Channel 11, or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. It was on HBO, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, we kind of like the the topic is essentially fathers and their daughters. Um, but, you know, like I said, we want a lighthearted movie to go with The mm-hmm. Whale. Um, but as normal, no one gives a shit about my opinion. Uh, the most important thing is, what did Kelsey think about it? It was Commando. a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot to it. <laughs> we talk, there's, a, there's a ton to it. There's a uh, father trying to rescue his daughter. He's, he's, uh, going through these, these memories of all the, the shit he's seen. You know, there's a career woman who's a stewardess. There's a montage of him and her doing, like, lumberjack stuff. His daughter uh, yeah. doing, like, lumberjack shit. Yeah, the like- daughter's carrying logs. <laughs> I, I always think it's funny how the movie starts where Schwarzenegger carried a log on his shoulder. Like, all right, whatever. This is, like, a day-and-day thing. Like, well, yeah. for him, it probably didn't weigh a whole lot. Yeah. Plus, that is a thing, I think, in, like... Um, seal training or something yeah but you when you told me that and it's mainly it's like a team effort there's like yeah. four soldiers or some um oh i don't know how many but yeah yeah, yeah. the but, team thing yeah it's more than one person that's the thing it's more than one person and schwarzenegger's like i can lift i can i oh, i can love this <laughs> i don't know why you keep making an ass of yourself <laughs> that's how i fight through the pain so by inflicting more pain, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, on you and everyone else around you. I'm a gluten for pain. A, glu- a gluten. <laughs> I personally said that wrong. Yes, you're a gluteus maximus. Exactly, uh, Kelsey. So, other than that, you said this. Other than that, you said this movie's fun. What else did you think about this movie? Um, <laughs> there's one shot mm-hmm. where you see Arnold Schwarzenegger walking with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. And it was just a weird angle because all you mm-hmm. saw was the big, broad bulkiness of his, like his pecs and his shoulders and his arms, mm-hmm. and then an itty bitty tiny little waist. <laughs> oh my god, that looks so fucking weird. <laughs> um, you know, what else? Um, I didn't really think 
uh, radon chong. Mm. Radon. <laughs> That's a chemical that you find in basements. Um. <laughs> Gonna name this child after a chemical in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she mm. didn't add a whole lot to the story. She was actually kind of annoying. I mean, but it's like. But, but I thought about it. Okay. Look, look. Okay. She was in the story. She really didn't have to be in the story. Yeah. But was she as annoying as the blonde girl from the second Indiana Jones movie? Mm. Fuck no. So fine. I'll deal with her mm. over that fucking chick any day. But they really. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at this movie as a in, through a current lens. What I'm going to say this. They really made her like stupid. Yeah. Like they they made her borderline like Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so there are like parts where she's like talking. Like there's that there's that scene where like after like the mall action scene, she gets in the car with John Matrix, and then she essentially like recaps what happened, and she does it in this most annoying voice. Like you took my car, you had done this, and I'm not driving this, and I don't know what I'm doing. Like that kind of shit. And I'm like. <laughs> Fuck, that's annoying. <laughs> she was Valley Girl, but she wasn't White Girl Valley Girl. So it, it's mm-hmm. not quite as bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, if she was white, she would have been like, I would have been like, twice in one fucking week? Are you kidding me, Mark? Turn this shit off. <laughs> I'm not doing this episode. <laughs> twice in one week? What was the first time? Because we showed the girls the second Indiana Jones movie the other day. Yeah, we had to. I know, but the white girl is fucking annoying. Well, I mean, next time you watch that, just kind of like cover your ears and blind No, and then I have to look at her. Yeah, just like do that. Cover so your ears. I could just easily move, like leave the room or turn it off. No, just like turn your head and then turn back and then turn your head and then turn back. You know, back <laughs> and to the left. <laughs> um, you know, Donald, Donald Sutherland? Yes. Who's not related to Kiefer Sutherland well, at all? Well, no, it was Kevin Costner that said it. Uh-huh. Donald Sutherland is in a completely different scene <laughs> from know, back to the left. That's all I remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And, some, and for some reason, I think a little bit of Citizen Kane is bleeding in. Oh, my God. <laughs> because of that whole, like, like there's parts of uh, Citizen Kane where they're mm. like, like, this person is, like, doing some covert shit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what movie is this? Some, <laughs> what movie am I remembering? Some, some covert shit in Citizen Kane, and you're like, are they going to assassinate JFK now? I know, like, like JFK went to Cuba yeah. with these pamphlets. <laughs> and then he, and then, you know, all of a sudden, Donald Sutherland is saying back into the oh, left, not, not, uh, not Keith or Kiefer Sutherland or whoever the fuck, Kevin Costner. <laughs> It's back to Commando. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, Kelsey's laughing. Um, I'll admit that because this the version that we, we watched was like the director's cut version. It was one minute longer. No, it was like two. It was two minutes longer. We right. said one was 91 minutes and the other one was 92 minutes. I thought I saw it was like 90 minutes. Oh, okay. So it's one minute longer. 
scene I didn't remember like at all. This is like this part where like Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is talking to Radon Chong's character in the car, and she's like asking him questions like, "Oh, were you in the army? What did you see?" And, and he's like getting the detail about like why um, why he's in his daughter's life and that the mother would die like during birth, and he's like going to list like when she was three, I was here. When she got uh, measles, I was here. When she went to first day of school, I was here and stuff like that. And he's like, it's supposed to be like this really emotional moment of like, oh, he's like opening himself. Mm -hmm. But man, that fucking fell flat. I was like, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just stop it. (laughs) Just stop. You're like the beginning of your career. You can't act worse shit right now. Just stop it. I I thought because I said that Radon sounds like Radon. Uh Uh-huh. Then I would look up what it is and where it's found. Okay. Okay. Radon is a naturally occurring radioactive gas that can cause lung cancer. You can't see or smell radon. Testing is the only way to know your level of exposure. And that's off the EPA website. Okay. And so you can find... You can find it. Mm-hmm. They're uh, usually higher in basements, cellars, and living spaces in contact with the ground. <laughs> However, considerable radon concentration can be found above the ground floor. Um, they vary considerably between adjacent buildings as mm. well as within a building from day to day and from hour to hour. So right now you could be breathing, you know, naturally occurring uh, radioactive gas. So I can be breathing in... My farts. I can be breathing in Valley Girl type character from Commando. <laughs> Anyway. So, yeah, just wanted to let you know. I know that you were totally wondering what that was. I know. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. The hard research. I'm sure everyone's like, this is not a science podcast. I know, right? One thing thing I've always enjoyed about this movie is the ticking clock. Like, whatever you write, like, whatever you write, like, something suspenseful, there's always, like, a ticking clock. Actually... Well, that's Jim, the whole Jim, premise of the movie 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you talking about the show 24? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. They also did a movie. Yeah, it was supposed to be like the conclusion. But it wasn't of, good. Yeah, it was not good. Um, but yeah, like something about, like, I, I think the ticking clock is, I don't know if it's realistic. I, I never looked into it. But like how John Matrix is on this plane t- to fly to like some foreign country. It looks like South South America or something like that, right? But he has like twelve hours or some shit like that, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like accurate. If it's really twelve hours to fly to South America, um, but I just like the fact that it's a ticking clock. Like he has to find where his daughter is in this window, and he's just like just killing people to like make it happen. <laughs> Isn't Kiefer Sutherland actually in Twenty Four? Yes. Ah, got it. You know, just get your mind off you for something. Stop it. <laughs> well, the other thing that I'm thinking is that his name is John Matrix, and that doesn't sound nearly as cool as Johnny Utah. <laughs> yeah, but John Matrix, John Matrix is like action star, and then Johnny Utah is like, whoa, bro. John Matrix sounds like he made up that name. Johnny Utah. That sounds way made up. <laughs> Um, Kelsey, was was there any, like you said this movie's fun? Uh, was there any any particular scene that you were like, yeah, this is this is fun. I enjoyed this scene. Um, 
the part where the guy who was hitting on uh on oh the guy who played Bennett. Mm. No, it was, no, it wasn't Bennett. I don't know who you're talking about. The little was weasley. it Arius? No. Um, let me bring up because I have the I have the list. There you oh. go. Not including people that we're going to talk about. I, <laughs> we just bring out the entire cast. Yes. That's why I put rest of cast in the link. Well, you used to put it underneath. You don't have to read these, and then it would still be there. Sully, played by David Patrick Kelly. Uh I like watching him get his ass kicked and then die. Oh, like Arnold's like shake. <laughs> he was like, "I like you. You're gonna die last." No, <laughs> no that's, that's what would kill you last. Yeah. yeah, and then. He's like, I thought you were saying I was gonna, you were gonna kill me last. He's like, I lied. I know. <laughs> yeah. like, Remember, when I promised I kill you last. Yeah, yeah, you promised. I lied. <laughs> so and the guy's like, <laughs> 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 he falls. oh yeah, he did make a weird fucking sound. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I read that like Mark Lester wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to actually hold the dude over the side like that. And Schwarzenegger was like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. So they like hung him by like a cane and just made it look like he was hanging him on the side uh, with one hand. Yeah. Um, I even like, because like this this movie, it doesn't, it, it, like, it's not just like, let's just look at Arnold, see how big he is. It's like, no, these are the things he can do because of his size. Like there's that part where Sully's in the payphone booth and he picks up the payphone booth Behind his back and throws it down like if it's like a wrestling move. Or right? he pushes a, a truck. Yeah, he pushes a truck like kind of over a hill and yeah. then like and then down gets in and then somehow doesn't die. Yeah, I mean, and then like I said, there's that scene. There's a scene with Sully. And he says like he holds him. And he says, "I gotta tell you, Sully, this is my weak arm." And he's still <laughs> holding it with the one hand. <laughs> like the last person I hung like. Upside down with my hands was like my daughter. <laughs> that was like years ago. I can't do that now. Seriously. I used to do that to Cadence too. But then mm-hmm. by the time she got to be like 40 pounds, I was like, nope. <laughs> You're like, not nah, putting my body into that. Um, so is that, was, was that your only favorite scene or is there like another one? Um, <clears throat> I don't know that I have a lot of favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Or stuff that you, en- scenes that you did enjoy. I liked picking it apart whenever mm-hmm. she was like, uh, when Cindy mm-hmm. was like, um, I was going to flight school, like randomly, like, oh, I'm helpful now because I I'm know, going right? to flight school. <laughs> yeah, here's the reason why I'm in the movie. And flight I know school. exactly where the nearest place to gas up a, a plane is. And yeah, a lot of convenience right there. Uh-huh. And then it was going to be like a, like a boat plane. Yeah, yeah. She's like, this must be the plane they use. And then, yeah, and then he's like, okay, you could fly. She's like, I don't know how to fly. I know. A bo-. I'm like, you know everything except how to fly a boat plane? Yeah, and that's the thing. She's like, that's not a plane. It's a canoe with wings. We're like, but you saw a picture of the plane. You know, you pointed that it was this plane. <laughs> um. Also, like, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a lot of... Uh, urgency on the kids part like i don't know but usually when you Mm -hmm. see a film with a kid like like i said it seemed to be the trend in the 80s Mm -hmm. for there to be like a kid in danger somehow they are being chased by somebody yeah Yeah. like a big bad guy and i just felt like she was in that room 
forever. Hugging her knees. And yeah. that's all she did. Yeah, every time they like... And it, it, <laughs> I'm just remembering that. <laughs> something in particular. But like every time like they showed his daughter... You know, like he said, she'd be like hugging her knees or she's standing against the wall or something like that. And it was always like this same music, like. (laughs) 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 You know, um, we're going to go save your daughter, right? Yes, we got to go over here and you're going to, you know, we got to get on this plane. Ah, I miss my daughter. Cut to daughter. Um. So, oh, so I got to mention, like, one of my favorite, like, one-on-one fight. Like, and, you know, like like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, like, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is, like, getting, th- it's, like, cu- like, cutting through this, like, group of mercenaries or whatever that's, like, trying to make sure that um, oh. the plan goes in the order and stuff like that. Or the plan works. For, so, first of all, when Arnold meets w- the first guy, like, inside, like, his daughter's room, it says like pretty much like yeah we took your daughter you know blah 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 and he says like you're gonna do what we say right and I goes wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous um but yeah one, my favorite like one on one fight scene was with him and Bill Duke in that motel room oh yeah that shit was stupid he's like. Bill Duke is like, and then get your ass kicked by a green beret. He says, I ate green berets for breakfast and I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And fucking Radon Chong's character is like, what's up with all this macho bullshit? (laughs) Like she's commenting on like how ridiculous this fight is. Like she's fucking JR. Yeah. (laughs) WWF or some shit. Um, you reminded me what scene I liked. Oh, okay. The first initial like invasion of his property. Uh-huh. Every time someone got shot, uh-huh. they'd like throw their arms up in the air with their rifle, yeah, and like twist around and then fall down to the ground. Yeah, which like <laughs> which comes back later when Arnold is like sieging on that on that island, mm-hmm. and every person he shots is like blah 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 oh shit, like just shakes his body and drops. <laughs> Or he throws throws a grenade. You can clearly see like the catapult that they buried, like the behind the scenes, like they buried. Mm-hmm. So like when the explosion, they get like launched in the air. Or the show. people, <laughs> yeah, like the, the little figures like, in the, the. No, 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 real people mm-hmm. that are like on those fucking um, like whenever they're like, oh, a grenade is gonna blow up. Yeah, the people jump in the air. Like yeah, that's what I was mentioning. Like, uh, the, 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 you made it sound like it was the grenade itself that was on the launch. Oh no no no! <laughs> I was like. What? <laughs> no, 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 my, my mistake. Um, but yeah, like that fight scene between him and Bill Duke is like so hilarious. It like they fall through a they fall through another room where people are having sex, and I I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I still didn't notice it. But apparently, the IMDb page says that like during that scene, the two people having sex, you can like see a camera in the corner, so they're like recording themselves, and they happen to record this murder happening. <laughs> There was something about that that I was like, I I almost wanted to go back and watch it again because, mm. um, I'm like, where did they go? Who? Those people. The couple? Yeah, like, because the wall got busted down. You don't hear anyone screaming and running away. Well, yeah, I know. Like, they get out of the motel. They see Bill Deuce, uh, what's his character's name? Coke. Oh, Cook. I'm sorry. They see Cook's car. 
And like Arnold's like, first of all, he like him or like Radon Chong, they do this thing where like they say what they're about to do. Like if you don't get it. <laughs> and like he says, like, there's this car. Let's search it. <laughs> but like doesn't take into account that like, dude, you just murdered somebody right now. Two people saw you murder this guy. Why do you have no urgency to get the fuck out of there? Let's search this car. Instead of, let's take the car, then let's search it. <laughs> and, like, the convenience, the, the conveniency of, like, the clues that he finds, like, or, or not even just him. Radon Chung finds, like, she pops open the glove box. She's like, look, there's a, a receipt for fuel for an airplane. Where's an airplane? Oh, no, there's a warehouse down the street. Let's go to the warehouse. This warehouse looks like something that I was inside of. You know? <laughs> um, the That reminds me about the car. One of the uh, things that I thought was funny was how instead of going on the other side of the car to get in, oh, she, she would slide in from the driver's side. Yeah. And move over to the passenger side. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger would get in and drive. Yeah. At no point does she ever open the door herself to get into the other side. He would like open the door. She like jump in and like, it was like every single, like why? Why? And you're like, well, maybe it would take too long to get around the car. And I'm like, what? But that's the thing. Like when I said it'll take too long to get around the car in the same breath, I was like, well, I mean, she could be saying something while walking around the car to like give her, her character more plot purpose and shit. I mean, if your argument was valid at all, Mm -hmm. Every single movie would be that way. <laughs> there are plenty of shows and movies that people get into cars and they don't look weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like an alien came out of, from outer space and didn't know how to get into something. Um, <clears throat> so let me drop let me drop a couple facts real quick, or some IMDb trivia. Um, so apparently, there was the, Ray Dong Chong and Arnold Schwarzenegger shot a love scene. But it was deemed unconvincing and dropped from the movie. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Which, no lie. After reading that, um, at the end of the movie, Radon Chung looks at Arnold Schwarzenegger's character like, with like, like after reading this, I was like, oh, that's why she looks at him that way. Because she looks at him like, oh, he's back. Like, he's alive. Like, like there's a, not a, like an amount of like respect, like you just saved your daughter, but amount of like Maybe like love or like admiration of just like oh this like we we had a connection and I'm gonna bond with his daughter like she kind of gave like this look like that and after reading about that love scene I'm like okay that makes sense why she had that look. Mm. Um, all right, Renato White, Renato Ryder, Shannon Dorothy, Elizabeth Shue, Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Connelly, and Patricia Arquette all auditioned for the role of Jenny. And this is where Alyssa Milano and Shannon Doherty's uh, oh, loathing for each her, other started. Her huh? nemesis and shit like that. <laughs> um, all right. So, of course, we got to talk about like the big climactic 15-minute action scene. 15, 20-minute mm-hmm. action scene. First of all, before it starts up, it's it, it, one of the greatest like weapon load montage happens where Arnold's putting all his guns on him. His vest, his like, is uh, I'm gonna say makeup, his camouflage shit on. Um, and then like there he, was something he did, wasn't there? That I was like, what? Well, there's like a part where like the camera like 
is like the camera is like low not low angle it's like lowered and it kind of like pulls out and you just see like all the weapons he has and for some reason there's like smoke behind him oh, it's, it's supposed to be mist but like clearly it's smoke that reminds me about the in the beginning when the opening shot is of his bicep yeah, but right. it's so zoomed in that mm. it's like i mean you know what you're looking at but also like why (laughs) you can't see the definition at all yeah you see like i think that's a muscle yeah that's a muscle (laughs) like you have to really think about it um so this so this like crazy it's not even a crazy ass action scene like after i haven't like i i love this movie as a kid but i haven't rewatched in a while but like watching that action scene it gets very derivative like just like the same thing especially how like arnold it's essentially just walking with an AK-47 and shooting people, mm-hmm. and nobody, nobody's hitting him, like, at all, or grazing him. And that's, like, him. the entire theme of the entire movie. Yeah. Like, there are multiple times where he's shooting, where mm-hmm. people are shooting at him, Yeah, and none of the bullets are landing. Like, none of it. And then, like, they kept doing this thing where, like, he would shoot, and it would cut to the person getting shot, and it'd be, like, slow. There'd be, like, four people getting shot, and they're, like, like, slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, clearly, like... The bullets didn't connect because they're just like moving up and down. Like, yeah. oh, I got shot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they throw their arms in the air and twist. Yeah, it's like it's like when um when you're a kid, did you ever play like gun battles or something like that? And you'd be like pew pew, and the person would be like, oh, like I got yeah. shot. Yeah, it's just like that. That's all it really is. <laughs> um. So yeah, he does that for a while. Uh-huh. But you know, they decided to change it up a little bit. You know, let's just kind of switch it up. Where somebody throws a grenade and explodes next to him, and of course he like goes into like a like a sh- like a tool shack, right? And how he's like holding on to the wound, and it looks like a flesh wound, but he's like ah, <laughs> like it fucked him up. <laughs> and then like he comes out of the shack after like they like shoot at the shack and whatever they, everything like that. But like it's so fucking it like the the movie's already like kind of brutal. Because, like, wow, he's just, like, mowing down people. But it gets to, like, another level where he starts, like, throwing... Knives? <laughs> no, <laughs> he starts throwing, like, certain garden tools at people. Oh, yeah. Like, he stabs somebody with a pitchfork and then throws, like, saw blades where, like, a dude gets his, oh, yeah. head, his head cut off. <laughs> he did throw a knife at one point, though. Yeah, that, he threw, like, two knives at once. But like, I was like, like, what the fuck? Because it was also oddly placed. Yeah, yeah. But like I the, the I, I feel bad for this guy. The like worst kill, it's where he like throws an axe into a guy's crotch. <laughs> like ooh. Can you imagine having to stand there while people are trying to do the like makeup or whatever for that? <laughs> you're the guy with the axe to his crotch, and you're yeah. like, "Don't get a boner! Don't get a boner!" Yeah, or like it's a fake axe, right? It's not real, right? Can, can I touch it? Let me make sure it's fake. <laughs> um. So all that happens, of course, like there's this, his big fight with Bennett, which. Oh, you were laughing at Bennett's face. Mm. Every, his like reaction was like, I'm going to kill you. But his face <laughs> is like all twisted. <laughs> they were. Yeah, they were fighting and they were both having like like a battle of the wills. Like, but <laughs> their eyes the- were like really big and they were just staring at each other. And- <laughs> the, the battle of the facial expressions. <laughs> It's like when you do an arm wrestle, 
And uh, you can't just do the arm wrestle, but you have to also wrestle with your face. I know. Oh, <laughs> speaking of that, I didn't show you Over the Top. Mm. Over the Top stars uh, Sylvester Stallone as a truck driver. Uh-huh. Who entered, who's training for an arm wrestling competition. Why? Because if he wins, he gets custody of his son. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) I would love to make a movie about anything and have it stick like that. Hold on, let me, let me, let me see when, uh, okay, that makes sense. You have to think about it. A lot of movies with wild premises or the stupidest premises were made in the 80s. Uh-huh. And they were made because of cocaine. <laughs> There's so much cocaine. You know, the producer's like, how about we have a guy rescue his child from cussing about it with arm wrestling? <laughs> and we get over the top. Stallone's like, yes, I want that. Kind of makes me think of that movie that came out a few years ago with um, the robots. Oh, uh, with Hugh Jackman, right? I think so. And like his kid has like, yeah, like it's one of those things where he has a kid that he really doesn't want. Um, I know which movie you're talking about because I remember I remember looking at that and be like, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It's not Chappie, is it? Oh no, that's a completely different movie. But it came out like just before that one. Um, oh, what's it called? I'm like looking at it right now. No, oh, he wasn't Chappie. That's I think that's why you're thinking of that. Um, Real Steel. Was it Real Steel? It's called Real Steel. Yeah. Yeah. 2011. Man, Hugh Jackman made some bad movies. <laughs> and two robot movies. <laughs> <laughs> two robot movies. Seriously. <laughs> um. But yeah, that fight with between John Matrix and and Bennett. <sighs> It's it's a couple of reasons why it's it's just ridiculous to watch. One is because like in every scene, Arnold is just flexing. Like you see all his muscles right mm. up against like this fat, slobby looking guy with a with a chain vest for a shirt. <laughs> um, Actually, I thought it was chainmail when we first saw chain him. Chainmail, yeah. But then later, it was just actually like loosely crocheted or loosely knitted uh-huh. gray material. I know it had to be chainmail. It wasn't. Why? Why would he wear that then? I don't know. Like he wore like he wore a chain a lock around his neck. Why? Why? <laughs> I feel like he was dressed in a way mm-hmm. that he was like a gay guy pretending to be straight. Um, the actor, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vernon Wells. He said during an interview that his character is like Freddie Mercury on steroids. Yeah, I see like, it. That makes sense. <clears throat> um, so that fight, I felt like that fight was like, it was almost like poorly choreographed because it seemed like I punch, you punch, now I punch, now you punch, like that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, only to... <laughs> So they get to the fire. Uh, yeah, to <laughs> so the fire is like okay, this looks kind of real, but like how Ben it's ridiculous hand, still. Yeah, it's still ridiculous because well, they, all the facial expressions they're doing. <laughs> um, and then of course, like Arnold dispatches Bennett by throwing a pipe through him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Let out some steam, Bennett." It's like, oh, there's those one-liners, or that one, uh, what the. 
the editing that was bad. Which was the editing was bad? Because when they were fighting, mm-hmm. he had his hand under oh, his yeah, jaw. Oh, yeah, the different positions, yeah. Yeah. That was so bad. And I, I always think that's, that shit's funny when he kills Bennett. and Because Aly- Alyssa Milano has been watching the entire fight. Uh-huh. And like, he kills Bennett, and the, Alyssa Milano's character is like, Yay, thanks, Danny, for killing this guy for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then like that last line is so poorly, is poorly delivered. When um, the two, like uh, Jenny and John Matrix, like are walking back to the plane boat, <clears throat> and the guy, the well, he was like Captain Kirby or Colonel Kirby or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, I think he was like a general. Um, no, it was Colonel. It was Colonel. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> he's like, <clears throat> and he says, "Like, are you back, John?" He's like, "No." Oh no, he says, "I forgot what he says," but the guy's like, "Oh, till the next time." And how Arnold turns around, he goes, no chance. And walks away and says, oh my god, that's so fucking bad. I saw that too. That was so bad. Yeah, I saw that too. I watched the movie with you, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so <laughs> with that being said, do <laughs> you think this movie holds up? No, mm-hmm. but it's still a fun watch every like 15, 20 years. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to actually add some truth to that. So um, if I remember correctly, it was Mark Lester. He wanted the rights back. He wanted the rights from Commando, for Commando, right? I think it's like Sony Pictures had the rights. <clears throat> so he won the rights. He went to Sony. He was like, I'll give you like $2 million for the rights, like right now. And Sony was like, why? Like, who the fuck cares about Commando? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, like there are people who like love this movie. There's like a website completely dedicated to their fans out there. So what does Sony do? <laughs> Announce a remake. <laughs> Why would you tell them that? I know that's, that's a bad uh, business making. I'm sorry, business decision. Okay, so um, before we end, I want to throw in a couple of interesting facts. Uh, screenwriter Jeff Loeb originally wrote the script with the intention of Gene Simmons. Ugh. to play John Matrix. But Simmons passed on it in the early development stage. Loeb then rewrote the script with Nick Nolte in mind and <clears throat> as an out-of-condition former commando. The storyline was to concern a special forces agent working in the Middle East who becomes sick of the continuous death and destruction. He leaves Israel, returns to the United States, and retires. But he is then forced out of retirement after the kidnapping of his daughter. I feel like that would have been a much, much serious movie. Yeah. Um, and then here's a fact that I will always remember. You will always remember? Yes. So, they wanted to make a sequel of Commando, where John Matrix goes to a building, and the building's taken over by terrorists. Okay? Mm -hmm. And he has to use his wits and his not a whole lot of weapons to survive. And it took place on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? Die Hard? Yes. <laughs> that was supposed to be the Commando sequel. <laughs> well, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. They were like, all right. So they rewrote it. And Bruce Willis now has a career. <laughs> <laughs> or had a career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He re- oh, yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think the movie holds up at all. It's very of his age. It's like you said. It's a it's a fun movie to revisit once in a while. 
Um, and I'll say this: this is probably to me. I think this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger's best film. I know people will be like, "Oh, Terminator 2. Here's why: because it's pure Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like balls to the wall, fucking crazy. Okay, and like. He does get better. Like I do. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. His his older movies like Total Recall, uh, Terminator One and Two, obviously Predator. Um, actually, maybe I take that back. I think Command is my second. Predator is my first. I love Predator so much. See that movie like a hundred times. Mm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't hold up. It's dated as fuck. I still love watching it. <laughs> Anything else? No. <sighs> I thought this was going to be a short episode, but we're pushing two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we had a short... Uh, Variety time? No, no, a uh, short banter session. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we don't want to go for too long, and then it's because of the whale. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so that's going to be our show for this week. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Uh, we especially like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, for all your... Film news, TV news, and reviews, check out yourentertainmentcorner.com. Uh, don't be free to drop us an email at therealappeal uh, at gmail.com. That's real with two E's. Uh, remember to give us a review, good or bad, hopefully glowing, on uh, whatever podcast catcher you're using. Good or bad, is, that, <clears throat> is glowing good or bad? Glowing's good. Could be bad if it's radioactive. Oh my God. Well, you said. You said, give hmm. us a review, good or bad, hopefully glowing. glowing. Yeah, that means good. So was, you didn't say good or bad, hopefully good. I, that's what I... Semantics, really? <laughs> this is shit I've been dealing with all day at work. <laughs> all right, so um, please join us for uh, our our... Not next week episode, because uh, we're taking a week off, but we're going to be back um, at the end of January, um, that week at the end of January, uh, because we're going to be reviewing uh, Brandon Cronenberg's latest film, uh, Infinity Pool, which comes out in theaters Friday, January 27th. So we're going to review that movie, and then the following week, we're going to be talking about it, reviewing it and such. So with that, our geriatric cinematics is going to be David Cronenberg's 1986 The Fly. Uh, the Fly streaming at, at this moment in time. The Fly streaming on HBO Max or is available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, and other YouTube TV and other VOD services. Uh, the topic for that week's episode is something off about the Cronenbergs. Mm-hmm. I have something to say. What do you have? Infinity Pool is about a pool salesman having to install infinity pools in rich people's homes. Mm-hmm. Who's the director? Guy Fury. Hey, Guy Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Was that just the first name that popped in your head? Yeah. <laughs> this is how Kelsey's mind works, and this is what I have to deal with. <laughs>